Hello, and again, welcome to Bit Depth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is Chase Hampton, or also known as Harumi Hosono, dancing in a room by himself. <laughs> I'm not recording video oh, or okay. I'm not putting up the video, Good. but you know, from from what I can see, it's yeah, a a Japanese man dancing alone in a studio and it's it's pretty great. And it's just gonna be looping forever. So <laughs> yes. it's a fun experience for me, at least. Uh, <laughs> so to start, we're talking about trials, which is the eighth track of the album. Yes. So I guess, first of all, what were your impressions? And then you can launch into your questions. The the immediate impressions and first things I wrote had to do with noticing that it was in 5.8. And also just the Radiohead influence was, was really obvious in, <laughs> in the textures and the, the chord progression. Just the chords you used, mm. like that much was very obvious. Very much sounded like kind of in Rainbow's era. Maybe a little earlier, but definitely Radiohead. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize I was that obvious. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's because I know you and maybe it's because yeah. I've listened to so much Radiohead. But the I mean, it really does. It's not me just saying that like it sounded like Radiohead to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's I mean, In Rainbows is my favorite album probably ever. So it's. And I mean, probably was still then, so it's yeah. it's not like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I get you. So piggybacking off of that, did you make like a conscious decision before you started that you wanted to write the track in 5A, or did you come up with like a 5A riff? Like, where did you approach from that angle? I actually think of the track in 5-4, but I guess it doesn't I mean, really matter. Way, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I was, it was basically like, how do I mess with this 5-4 clave? Mm. In high school, one of our marching band pieces included excerpts from this Philip Glass piece called The Canyon. Yeah. And so at risk of getting sued by Philip Glass, this was kind of my electronic interpretation yeah. of The Canyon. Okay. I hope I don't get sued by Philip Glass. I doubt. But I had to make sure that none of the things on the social medias or whatever mentioned yeah the canyon by philip glass yeah. but anyways the chords and stuff i didn't have like any of the the score of that piece mm. but i had my memory of it which is like i mean you did marching band as well so you know just how much that music gets drilled into your head anyways yes, yes. and so i was very familiar with at least the excerpt of it that was in our show yep and so i just kind of tried making the chords from memory in a way mm -hmm. and so it's not even like an interpretation it's just like a misremembering of the canyon by philip glass but also leaning into five four element and so it was kind of interesting having that in a marching band thing because like every dot would be 10 steps away rather than eight yeah or, or 20 steps away rather than 16. Yeah. And so it added kind of a different dynamic to it. But that 5-4 clave, that da, 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 mm. da, it's present in pretty much all music that uses 5-4. Uh. And rather than 
I don't know. I think nowadays I would probably try to shy away from that yeah. and try. It's like, how do I approach five, four without this clave yeah. in the same way of like, how do I approach seven, eight without the, those uneven claves are like kind of embedded and just appear naturally in those uneven time signatures. Yeah. And so it's hard to get away from them. But with this one, I was just like, hey, let's just do the 5-4 thing. So, yes, I began with, let's do this 5-4 thing. It's inspired by Philip Glass. And let's see what I can do with it. Because hmm. especially at the time, I was just kind of experimenting with sounds anyways. Hmm. Okay. You know, it's interesting what you said about misremembering chords. It, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my boss yesterday about, he said he was listening to a Rivers Kumo song exploder. Mm. And he said that in it, Rivers said something about, for this latest album, he would pick like a genre or a band or something that he wanted to emulate. And he would like, basically what you said, like misremember or like try to write the song or write apart from the song on his own, like after listening to it so that it would lead to something. It just, it was something like that. I can't remember it exactly, yeah, but yeah. it's, but it's basically what you said, but like I'm totally, totally on purpose. Right. Well, and there's a funny thing too, is that, I mean, a lot of jazz people do like direct notation of people's solos just to really like transcribe note for note and really see what they're doing. And whenever you do that, you're really breaking down like what makes this solo sound like this solo. Oh, look, here's an arpeggio or, oh, they went into this mode in this bar yeah. or, oh, they did like this, I don't know, quintuplet in this phrase. And it, and even though a player might not necessarily intend to do those things. Yeah. When you break it down, you are seeing kind of how complex it is. But then the other part is like, even with the misremembering, you are kind of finding something new within yeah. yourself Absolutely. in trying to do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's like folk songs, uh, you know, people mm. just passing down what they remember and it changes over time. Yeah. You said the first part you wrote, was the clave, it was all based around that. Was there another part you started with after that you maybe want to talk about after the clave? Yeah. So I guess I'll I'll go into the, the workflow, I think. So one of the biggest things about this, the Canyon piece, but then kind of leaning into it myself is, is the, the base beginning with that clave. And I just really liked the idea of just having that like, just really low, just like, yeah, kind of gross bass. And then the the drums are definitely Morning Bell from Kinnick. Yeah, 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 they are. <laughs> you can't copyright drums. Nope. But like, there there is a, a section in the piece where I do just straight up use the Morning Bell drum beat. Yeah, yeah. Now you said it. Now I hear it. So I think that really drives <laughs> home why I noticed the uh, radio. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it is kind of like, oh, the canyons in five four, morning bell is in five four. Let's just do mm -hmm. that. And so I kind of 
start with that feel as well. Yeah. Although something that I like about what I did here is that to kind of lean into that 5-4, mm. I, on the fifth beat, if you can hear it, the hi-hat does a triplet. Yeah. And so that triplet kind of adds to the unevenness of the 5-4 measure. Yeah. And so I was really emphasizing the end of the measure by being like, this is beat five. This yeah. is the triplet. The triplet, yeah. And with that, I also did like this. That like arpeggiated line thing mm-hmm. is... You could say it's the melody, but it's not even really like because it's background music or I intended it to be background music. Mm. That thing just kind of persists through the whole thing. But it is also what gives you the whole feeling of the track. What kind of makes it unique is what lies on the top of it. And so I use that thing to really, I guess, this is what makes this the song unique. Yeah. I really love all of those chromatic notes anyways. but uh, <laughs> And again, the end of each measure has that triplet yeah. to, again, emphasize this that. Is, this is it, yeah. So with the bass and the drums, I was trying to kind of emulate something else. But that arpeggiated thing, I don't even what. I don't know what instrument that I use for that. Oh, it's like a, it's a nylon concerto guitar in... <laughs> Ableton like I just I was just using presets yeah and yeah I mean it I don't know if it sounds like a guitar I was just like here I here's a plucky sound that's what I ended up with and a lot of times especially throughout this whole album I would just like go through sounds that are in Ableton and just like what is what is this what's that sound like Ooh, yeah. I like that all right throw it on a track <laughs> and so that's what really like made a lot of my decisions at the time is I just tried different sounds. But going back to your question, that guitar sound thing is what kind of goes beyond just trying to recreate a thing or trying to explore the sounds that come from this other piece I was remembering. Yes. And that's what kind of separates it. And then the other part, I do like these chord things that are really... Yeah. It's like a a choir-ish sort of thing. It's like a robot choir, uh, which is another preset in Ableton. But it's like... Now, I I did have a question about that choir. That was my next question. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I thought it sounded like a bit vocoded. You know, it's a pad, but it sounds almost vocoded. I wanted to know, like, what did you do to get that sound? Again, that's just another preset in Ableton. So if you have Ableton Live Lite, I think, because that's what I was using, even, mm. is Rob Auto Spheric. Okay. might have been in the pads. In fact, if I go in here and look for it, it's an operator preset. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Clicked on it, and that's it. Yeah. Very interesting that that's FM. That's a very... I wonder what... I'm going to load it up and look what the effects are, actually. <laughs> I talked about this whenever I discussed ghostly with Mac, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, sometimes you're using an instrument and you're sort of telling the instrument what to do. Mm -hmm. Other times 
the instrument tells you what to do. Yeah. And so it's like whenever you're playing something on piano and it's like really awkward for your hands, you might try a different shape on your hand just because you don't like how it feels on your hand. Yeah. Same with guitar, same with anything else. And so in a, in a weird way, Ableton as an instrument kind of dictated the sounds I was going for. I did kind of want something mysterious and odd sounding. And so just kind of digging through the presets in Ableton, it's like, Ooh, this really captures that thing. Yes. And so (laughs) I think that's one that, there, there's really only one, two, three, four, five, six tracks in this song. Like, <laughs> there's the guitar thing, that choir chord thing, the drums, the bass. There's like this high-ish thing. Which is just like mm-hmm. high synthy thing. Mm-hmm. It is called warm bubbly pad (laughs) and i just kind of wanted something to be kind of piercing up there yeah but like kind of stringy as well yeah ableton kind of dictated what sounds i was going for and so i had this foundation of where i wanted to go and the presets sort of told me like this is where you're going and i'm like okay not i'll i'll go there with you then (laughs) Don't doubt the power of presets. Many, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of people. I fe- feel like they have to make like a sound from concrete for every little thing they do, but it's not necessary, right? And and it's a funny thing because I've been describing this album as a time capsule. Mm. So this is before I was going to ACM, mm. and so it's before I really had any of those like producer like prejudices, mm. and so. Nowadays, I would feel like self-conscious about using a preset. But back then, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what an actual producer is or an actual composer is. I was just messing around with stuff in my room. And so that's what I had. And so I like how it sounds. And it is what it is. Yay, it's presets. But like, yeah. (laughs) No, man. I mean, some of the best music is, you know totally just about what was available you know what was available Mm -hmm. to whoever right creation comes out of circumstance and accessibility Mm. yeah exactly and i mean i didn't know how to build sounds from scratch and so if i even would have had that as a foundational goal i would have just gotten stuck and never made anything yeah so instead it was just like what do i have let's do it and the those sorts of prejudices or biases didn't affect how I made the music on this album. Good. One last sound, since I I might as well just show all of the sounds at the end of the track. Uh, there that is, was my other question. That was one of them. Yeah. Is that like glass, like just crazy <laughs> sound in the outro? Oh yeah. Oh gosh, what even is? It's a preset called Phantasm, and whenever I was messing with it, I was noticing that no matter what key I pressed it would do something different. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, whoa, this is cool and unpredictable. And I just wanted something to just like go way off the edge yeah, at the end there and just like have no clue like what the hell's going on. And so at the end of the track, whenever everything is doing that 5-4 clave, that da, 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 I just labeled it as creeps. Uh, yeah. And so this these piercing just 
like I loved the sort of unpredictable nature of what it was that it was doing. And so I think it responded based on velocity. And so sometimes I would like press it soft and it would do something else. But like other times, like that's an F3 on not the keyboard. Too high. So it's like not even yeah. that. Yeah, it's not even that high. But it's just like since I like slammed it, it made that thing. And so then at the end of it, using that same thing, I just <laughs> I leaned into it. And so I hit record and I have an 88 key mini controller. And so I literally just like went all the way across and just like mashed keys and like made a whole bunch of random stuff and mm. like went up and down and then mess with the pitch bend and all that sort of stuff. And so like I was just how do I make this as weird and random as possible to add just madness to the end of the track? And so this is what you get. And it works. And it's a funny thing because, like, you can kind of hear the up and down of going up and down the keyboard. Yeah. There's that pitch bend. Yeah. So, I mean, I was literally just, like, slamming my hands all over the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah. And that's... Stands out. The last little icing on the track yeah. to just like how do I nudge this a little bit more crazy just to get to where I want to be and sometimes you gotta do some weird shit it stands out man <laughs> like I mean literally everything I wrote down was was stuff you're ready to talk about so like, <laughs> I think I, I think that, that shows I have a little bit of insight to uh, we have insight to each other's creative veins sure yeah I think the other, I guess, big thing that I enjoy about this track is that it separates itself from the rest of the album. Mm. A lot of the tracks are chill and kind of accessible. If not accessible, then they're at least pretty backgroundy. Yeah. And as much as repetitive as this is that makes it kind of background music, it's not asking you to not pay attention to it. It's no. It's really like... Oh, hey, we've been listening to some swamp sounds and some piano and some guitar and it's kind of nice. But then this one comes in and it kind of like shakes you out of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like ambient doesn't necessarily have to be calm or soothing. You can have an ambience or a background thing be, I don't know, kind of uneasy or push you. Yeah. Even if you're not directly paying attention to it, it's really driving. Yeah, and I agree so with that. I still definitely consider this an ambient track just because it is pretty repetitive. But I feel like most of this album, I'm playing with that line of like attention versus distraction. And so whenever something repeats enough so that you stop paying attention to it, then something changes. Yeah. And that's kind of that line that I was playing with throughout the whole album. One last <laughs> question is... Go for it. I, I, was, I was trying to figure out... I mean, you talked a little bit just now. My question was, why did you choose a track for the album? And you talked a little bit just now about 
how it stands out from the rest of the album and your approach there. So I guess really my question is, was there more than the 13 tracks originally, or were these 13 tracks that you recorded in 2015 with the intent on being a cohesive project? Were there more? Were there less? What's up with that? So this started in 2013. Okay. And so the first track on the album is the first recorded thing that I made by myself. Okay. And so it was like literally just, I got my interface, I got Ableton, let's see what I can do. Mm. And so with that, I tried these ambient things. And so that, that first thing what is on the album now known as home was just ambient one. And then I made ambient two mm. to kind of try something else. And so there was never really like a goal other than making ambient music. And so as I went on, it was just kind of explorations into creation. And so what can I do with this? All right, now that I've done that, where else can I go? Yeah. And so each track is is going to different places just because that's where my creative mind wanted to go. And so some of them are exploration, experimentation, just kind of intuitive creation. And then others are, well how can I make something like this? So like it is just an exploration of my growth. And so the reason this one is there is because that's where I was <laughs> at that point. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do something a little bit more forward, a little bit more driving. There was other stuff that I was making at the time. If you look on my SoundCloud, they're called sound bites and they were shorter pieces that were just kind of in a way like you ever make voice memos whenever you have ideas yeah those are sort of kind of a second step to the process of making voice memos and so the sound bites are just like minute long to two minute long ideas hmm. and so some of them would be like explorations into all right well if I were to score a scene in a movie with something like this, this is what a chase would sound like, or this is what something uncomfortable would sound like. Mm. And so those are things that are outside of the Bloom album that I was making at the time, but all of the tracks on Bloom are what I call ambient, and they were the more complete ideas that were long enough for me to consider being part of that thing. Mm. So all the tracks in Bloom are in chronological order from when I started making them. Okay. And so you can actually hear my growth as a musician and as a composer and as a producer as you listen to the album. And sometimes stuff gets more complex. Sometimes stuff gets less complex. But I feel like you can hear kind of a tightening <laughs> if you will of like more kind of realization hmm. of where i'm going yeah. over time yeah and in a way i feel like trials is a tonal shift to where instead of just eh, here's some stuff that i'm experimenting with i feel like with trials and onward it kind of feels a bit more mature mm -hmm. and so Trials, Contentment, Stream, Glimmer, Space, those are a bit more heartfelt or a bit more mature or a bit more something that is 
a bit less naive and more intentional. Mm-hmm. Trials' place in the album is nice because of You're starting how to, it... Uh, it's it's yeah, well yeah. along the path. Mm-hmm. And I guess another thing about your question is, was there other stuff? The 13th track on the album, Tension, won't be streaming. It'll be only available if you buy it. So it's like a bonus track. So go to Bandcamp and buy it. Mm. But Tension is one of those sound bites that I was talking about earlier, but I expanded it. I did make, I think I, I called it Discomfort One in my sound bites, but I took that minute long thing and expanded it a bit more and played with more ideas. And with my knowledge of stuff after making space going back to discomfort one i turned that into something else and so in a way tension is a a way of me putting in something that wouldn't have originally been in bloom yeah and put that in there well chase thank you so much for doing this with me Yeah, no problem. I was glad that we were able to do it. Where can we find you and your things? You can find me mostly over on Twitter at Jen Lossless, G-E-N-L-O-S-S-L-E-S-S, and Instagram Generation Lossless. And that's where the news will be for for my upcoming album. Whenever it comes out, that's where it's going to be. Heck yeah. Where can we find any of the stuff that, like, do you have stuff on your SoundCloud still? Or yeah, I've got, so, I've got some stuff. A lot mm-hmm. I've just been, you know, hoarding to myself and not actually throwing <laughs> up there. You can <laughs> find me on SoundCloud at Generation Lossless. Hopefully whenever I get the album released, I can get it on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, yeah. you know, the regular things. If you want a preview of the closing track, it is on my SoundCloud and is called Takumi. That is one of my public tracks on there. I made it about a year, year and a half ago, and it's going to be the closer of the albums, one of my proudest works. So uh, if you. you want an idea for my music, you can check that track out. Yeah. Awesome. And now here's Trials in its entirety.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom will be available on August 8th, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background, put it on your workout playlist, show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy the thing and get bonus content to get a bit deep into the emotions you can feel with it. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. More to come from PowerCycle in the future. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong.